If you're enjoying these episodes, learning about your health and recognizing the power that you have to be able to step into optimizing your health, then you might like to know about my upcoming Health Optimizer Group Program, which is starting on June the 7th. It is open for registration now. And if you register before May 21st, you get 20% off. This is a four-week group program, and we will be diving into how to optimize your sleep, looking at stress, how it impacts your body, and how you can better manage your stress levels, including an external assessment tool to highlight where your greatest stressors are so that you can understand that and take action in lowering your stress levels. We'll also be digging into the microbiome, something that is unique to you, as unique to you as your fingerprints. And in understanding the microbiome, you understand that it is the epicenter of your health. And in the final week, we'll be talking about the brain-gut connection because understanding that also allows you to function cognitively at a higher level for much longer. I hope we get to a place where we can change the health outcomes in the world today and have people start living longer and dying shorter. Having cognitive function right to the end, like my grandmother did, and the inspiration for me diving into this work. So I wanted to let you know about this program because when you know how to heal your gut or optimize the health of your gut or microbiome, and heal your nervous stress system or lower the stress on your body, you significantly change your health outcomes for the better and seriously lower your chances of suffering from some kind of chronic illness. So you can check out this program in the link in the show notes, and I look forward to having you join me. Imagine getting up every day full of energy as if you were in your 20s again. What would that be like? What would that be worth to you? What is your health worth to you? Think about it. Your health isn't everything, but without it, everything else is nothing. And yet too many of us are taking it for granted until something goes wrong. No one wakes up hoping to be diagnosed with a disease or chronic illness. And yet we've never been taught how to be proactive in our health through our school system or public health. As a registered health coach and integrative health practitioner, I believe it is time this information is made available to everyone. Combining new knowledge around your health and the ability to do my functional medicine lab tests in the comfort of your own home will allow you to optimize your health for today and all your tomorrows. Don't wait for your wake up call. Welcome back to the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. I'm super excited to have a wonderful guest with you uh, here with us today, Olivia Ward. Welcome, Olivia. Hi, thank you for having me. My pleasure. So Olivia Ward, or aka Liv, is the holistic wellness practitioner, blogger, food creator, and intuitive behind Live Nourished, a holistic wellness business that teaches how to become your own best health advocate by going beyond food and tapping into your intuition. 
Live Nourished focuses on uniting body, mind, and soul through nourishing food, intuitive connection, and embracing simplicity. So I'm sure you can see why I've invited Liv to come and talk to you here today. This is uh, podcast four on my series on food. And I would love to have you hear Liv's story, her background, as we dig into more on the topic of food and food labeling in this episode. So Liv, welcome, welcome. And I'd love you to just dive right in and tell us your story and how you got to the place that you're at today. Thank you so much. So yeah, like you mentioned, I am a certified holistic nutritional consultant. I'm a Reiki master and I have my bachelor's of science degree in nutrition and food science. So that's kind of taken me down um, an interesting path in my career, which I'm so passionate about. I've had the opportunity to work in the food industry for the past five years alongside running my business. So I've got to work with companies to help them develop new food products and improve, improve existing products to get those to market. So I work in a lab with the food products hands-on. And then once we get a product that we like, we take that to a commercial scale pilot plant to figure out ways to make the food safe to make it efficiently, um, to get it to the marketplace. So within that, um, I have a very good understanding of what's happening behind the scenes in the food industry and the food processing world. So I definitely love, and that's why you're here today, because how often do you get to hear from someone who's hands-on behind the scenes of the, you know, getting our food to market? Absolutely. Yes. And to that point, right, often as consumers, we are so disconnected from our food and rightfully so, because the food industry, pretty much we've given the food industry the power to do that for us in exchange for time and convenience um, and access to different types of food. So, yeah, I'm excited to share with you a little bit about how my path brought me here. Um, I grew up in a family that was super open to complementary medicine, which I'm so grateful for. Um, There was chiropractors and naturopathic doctors, Reiki masters, massage therapists in my family. So I already had a really well um, versed group of people that I had access to when, when health questions arose. So when I was 14 years old, I found out that I was Um, dairy intolerant, which led me down the path of understanding what food was doing to my body, how it was impacting my symptoms, and somewhat of how I could nourish my body in a way to make it feel optimal. So that was, that was great, right, as a teenager to have that awareness. Um, And then when I was 18 years old, I started my first year of college, I was pretty free spirited, was drinking a lot, eating out, partying, all those things, and just having a blast, right? Like behavior, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But with the stress of school and not being super active, I had gained a substantial amount of weight, which was really weighing on my self-confidence. So within a year, I had gained 40 pounds. And at the end of that year, I was I was really hard on myself, right? And down on myself. And I was looking for that quick fix. So even though I understood the impact of food, when you're young and your self-confidence is low, you just, you want a quick fix for it at any cost sort of thing. 
so I, I start in today's world just with stress levels where they are and that instant gratification we all have from devices, etc. We've kind of been trained into that mindset. I think many people are yes. looking for a quick fix. It's not just you and when you're young and when your self-confidence is low. I think it's kind of the norm is to yes. look for a quick fix. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. So I had come across this crash diet. It was called ideal protein. And essentially it's a high processed protein diet. So you buy the shakes and the powders for the soups and the puddings and all that kind of stuff. And it's a pretty um, rigid diet plan where you're eating three of these protein um, products a day you're incorporating a little bit of vegetables, you're really, really limiting your fat and your carbohydrates. So it's a very low calorie, very low nutrient um, type of eating. And through this, they're actually, they're actually highly recommending that you take their multivitamin and their other mineral products, because there's no way you can get those nutrients from the, the, the food that you're eating because it's so stripped, right? So anyways, I stayed on this, on this diet for six months. And at the end of six months, I had lost the 40 pounds. So yeah, I was super excited about that. But then I started noticing these symptoms. My hair started to fall out. I was extremely constipated to the point where I wasn't having a bowel movement within like six to seven days. Mm -hmm. I was getting major rashes under my eyes and on my skin. And so I was very aware that my body was speaking to me. Um, I had bypassed symptoms in the past, right? But it gets to a point where you can't ignore it. Yes. And like so to, say, to that point, I love to say, listen when your body whispers so it mm -hmm. doesn't have to yell at you. Exactly. Yes. Um, so yeah, I I came to the understanding that my body was severely depleted at this point. I was very malnourished. And so I was working with a naturopathic doctor who was helping me understand that my liver and my thyroid were extremely taxed through this six months of malnourishment. And, and so that was kind of my, my awakening, right? That mm. I'm 19 years old. I have, I'm like doing air quotes. I have my body back, but my body's also failing me at this point. Um, and I love because, the awareness that you have because of the fact that you had that upbringing with holistic practitioners all around you, because yes. there's many people that could have done the exact same thing at 19 and gone to the doctor and not having any clue of what these symptoms were meaning or that they were nutrient deplete or that that was even a thing, right? Exactly. And yeah. then, you know, the doctor runs labs and isn't running labs that can test for mineral deficiency and vitamin deficiencies, et cetera. And so the person could actually come away with, we don't know what's wrong with you or here, take this drug to make you feel better. Yes, absolutely. Um, so that whole experience um, totally redirected my, my education path. So at that point in my life, I was already accepted into a dental hygiene program in Edmonton and um, which was a pretty rigorous um, interview process to get through and all of this so I was excited to get in um, but but then learning how my body was impacted through this whole experience I became extremely passionate about nutrition and how nutrition can be used to optimize our health 
to to address imbalances and that sort of thing. So a month before the program started, I switched my degree program to um, nutrition. I thought I wanted to go down the path of becoming a dietitian, and then I had learned about holistic nutrition and what a holistic nutritionist role is. And essentially that is looking deeper at the symptomatology of what your body is telling you to get to the root cause or underlying imbalance of your symptoms, which was like my aha, right? Um, because that's exactly what I had to do to be able to correct those imbalances that that malnourishment created. So I now have a combination of food science uh, degree and holistic nutrition that I've fused into a practice that I've been in for seven years, helping people under uncover their um, underlying imbalances and using food and lifestyle and supplementation to help correct that and bring their body back into balance and really um, fusing in the intuition piece too. That's super important to be able to empower people to start listening to their body and to start understanding the cues that their body is telling them. Exactly. That awareness is so, so important. And when people start doing that, it's amazing um, how quickly they start to excel at it. And when we start healing the body as well, it's amazing how quickly the body starts to heal. And then people notice those signs of improvement and it lets them know they're on the right path and to keep going, which is really, really powerful. And everything that you've just said, um, something else that I love is, and I often talk about is what we put on the end of our fork and then into our body is either our slowest form of poison or our greatest form of medicine. And so that's what you've dug into. That's what you're learning. And that's what you're sharing with your clients. Yes. And yeah, that's where the intuition piece is so important, right? Because I think um, I agree with the statement that you just said to some extent, but I think too, in the health world, um, there can be this form of restriction where now we're restricting the, the air quotes again, the bad foods so much that we're actually creating a stress on our body, which is not ideal either. So there, there is like, there's going to be times where we choose to eat processed foods because in that moment that actually might be what's best for us, right? If we're, we're celebrating something special to us, someone made us a homemade, um, beautiful, like cookie that there was so much love put into it. Um, you know, our time is limited. We're already in a stress state. There's, There's times when we're going to make different food choices. We're not always going to choose a nourishing food, but it's understanding why we're making those choices. And for the most part, choosing the nutrient dense foods. So when we choose something that isn't as nutrient dense, our body is not going to be thrown completely out of whack because of that. Right. And I 100% agree with that because in my work, I work with my clients and recommend an 80-20 rule, right? Because we're all human and- we can't be perfect. And so if I ask someone to, you know, be a hundred percent perfect, they're going to fall off and then that might bring them back to zero, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or somebody who's at the 80% and making those choices and being aware of when they're choosing that something that's less um, nutrient dense, that it's a choice. They're going to mindfully enjoy it, be aware of it. And their body isn't going to go into a state of depletion, as you say, because 80% of the time they're doing really well. Yes. That so. mindfulness mindfulness piece is key for sure. 
Yeah. Love that. So keep going with your, with your story and getting. Yes. Yeah. So, um, over the past five years, I've had the opportunity to work in the food industry as well. So that has really helped me understand, um, what's going on behind the scenes. And also I've, I've really become passionate about kind of breaking down the barriers and the shame around eating processed food, because as we go a little bit deeper into what that means, you're likely going to have an aha moment that we all eat processed food to some extent. Um, It doesn't always mean that it's nutritionally stripped, but it means that there was technology or equipment that was needed to bring that food to your household that you consume on a daily basis. And I just, when I attended your workshop very recently and you explained all of this to me, I definitely had that aha moment. So I'm excited for you to share that with the listeners. Yes, for sure. So uh, do you want to go straight into those definitions or did you want to lead into that a little bit more? Um, Yeah. So we can go into the definitions. Awesome. So in the workshop, you were talking about four different levels of processed foods. Yeah, so there is um, kind of a food science standard company called Nova, and they are giving some definitions to four classifications of processed food. So this just helps us understand um, the level of processing that goes into making each of these food categories. So the first one would be unprocessed and minimally processed foods. This would be an unadulterated raw material obtained from plants, animals, fungi, algae, or water. There's minimal industrial processing steps um, involved. And usually these steps are to increase the shelf life and the storability or enhance the digestibility of the food. So we'd be looking at fresh or frozen um, fruits, vegetables, rooted vegetables, leafy greens, We'd be looking at grains, legumes, nuts, herbs, spices, tea, or coffee. So things for the most part that you would consider a whole food, right? The plant grew and then you can harvest it and you can eat it. Or you might have to cook it minimally to be able to consume it. The second level of processing would be processed culinary ingredients. So this would include condiments such as plant oils, animal fats, sugar, syrup, honey, starch, and salt. And so to obtain these ingredients, we might be looking at extracting, pressing, centrifuging, or refining these ingredients into a vegetable oil, a butter or lard, sugar or molasses, pure maple syrup, honey, plant starches, which are in a lot of uh, baked ingredients or even sauces. So like pea starch, corn starch, potato starch, um, and salt. So now we're refining the ingredients a little bit more so that we can start using them into recipes or formulations. The third level of processing is processed foods. So these are produced by combining two or more food products from groups one and two and applying further processing methods. They often contain added salt, oil, and sugar. So we might be looking at baked products or bottled products, canned or cooked products, or even smoked products such as in meat. So that could be uh, canned vegetables or legumes, salted or sugared nuts or seeds, dried or cured meats and fish, and fruits and syrup, as well as cheeses. 
the fourth level of processing is what we consider ultra processed foods. So these are formulations of ingredients that result from sophisticated equipment and technology. Typically, they're high energy density foods and contain low levels of micronutrients. They often will contain artificial sweeteners, emulsifiers, thickeners, gelling agents, preservatives, antioxidants, and stabilizers. So these sometimes require chemical modification, extraction, extrusion, or forming. So when we're looking at ultra-processed foods, they're the, they're the ones that um, typically have a bias, right? We think of them as, as almost like frankenfoods. And when I first heard this term, what came to mind was bologna, purple ketchup, and cheese slices. But as I dove into this more, I started to realize that there are foods that are ultra-processed foods that, that serve its place in, in our communities and in our, in our lifestyle, right? So some of these would be protein isolates or protein powders. So if you're using any sort of plant or animal protein powder, it is considered an ultra processed food because of the amount of um, extraction and processing it takes to isolate that component from the rest. We're also looking at cereals as a processed food, which typically a cereal has a high amount of sugar, some do not, but that extrusion process of taking a flour, putting it under pressure with steam and puffing it into this dry cereal product is considered an ultra processed food. Um, so just something to be, to be considerate of if you're eating cereal, it's not a bad thing, but you more so wanna know if there's a lot of sugar in that product or not. Um, Carbonated soft drinks, ice cream, whether it's animal-based or plant-based would be considered an ultra-processed food, any sort of baked goods, and then the ready-to-eat frozen or fresh, or ready-to-eat can be refrigerated or frozen. Um, meals or desserts would be ultra-processed. So essentially, we're taking all of the ingredients from groups one, two, and three, putting it into... Um, food product which would be considered group four and then applying some additional processing to get it to the market. So let's talk about food labeling a little bit here because that will also help people determine what categories foods fall into. Is that right? Yeah, somewhat. So some things that you want to look for on the label is um, especially your sugars, your sweeteners, your emulsifiers and thickeners. So what that means is we'll just go into sugar a little bit. So sugars can fall um, on the label in many different names. So some examples of sources of sugar that, that aren't just straight up sugar are barley malt, beet sugar, blackstrap molasses, brown sugar, cane sugar, um, corn fructose, corn sweetener, corn syrup, date sugar, uh, dextrin, dextrose, fructose, glucose, grape sweetener, uh, herbal sweetener, honey, invert sugar, lactose, maple syrup, molasses, raw sugar, sorbitol, sorghum, uh, sucrose, and turbinado, <laughs> turbinado. 
Um, so a lot of names for sugar for people to keep track of. Yeah. So they're all, they're all coming from different sources typically. Um, so yeah, even though you might not see sugar on the label label itself, there might actually be sugar in your food products. So what you want to do is you want to look at the nutrition facts table. And in Canada, this recently changed a little bit where companies will slowly start phasing out their old labels by the end of December, 2022. So you're probably going to be seeing some of these new labels on your current products. So they're going to list sugar as a total on the nutrition facts table, but beside the sugar amount, there's also going to be a percent daily value. So this is based out of hundred grams of sugar per day. So say if the product says it has 22 grams of sugar, it's also going to say it has 22% daily value because that's out of hundred grams. Um, this is a little bit misleading because on average, it is recommended that men consume no more than 36 grams of sugar a day, which is equal to nine teaspoons per day and women no more than 24 grams of sugar per day or six teaspoons per day. So the idea around it being hundred grams of sugar is that for the average consumer who's eating fruit or maybe dairy, which those carbohydrates break down into sugar, um, your sugar level is probably going to be more than the 36 or 24 grams of sugar a day. But that does not mean that you should be targeting 100 grams of sugar per day. So just to be aware, if you're slowly basing your, your sugar intake based on the amount of daily values listed, that's not necessarily the most beneficial thing for your body. That's when you want to tune into how you're feeling eating that much sugar. Are you feeling lethargic? Are you feeling moody? Are you feeling hangry? Um, those are things to really tap into, right? Or even joint pain. I know because yes. it's highly inflammatory. I know my body talks to me if I've had too much sugar and I can feel it in my joints. Yes. Very good point. Um, you also want to look for different sweeteners that might be listed on your label. So sweeteners are usually uh, non-caloric um, substances that taste sweet, but you're not getting that sugar spike from it. So that could be aspartame, sucralose, um, saccharin, and stevia are our typical ones. There's also sugar alcohols, which the body digests a little bit differently. Um, some people digest this really well and others will get bloated with sugar alcohols. So just to consider, there's erythritol, isomalt, lactitol, maltitol, um, mannitol, monk fruit extract, sorbitol, and xylitol are some of those sugar alcohols. So the sweeteners and the sugar alcohols are considered ultra processed foods. It does um, take a lot of different extracting to get those to, to the point of being consumed. Um, some people that serves a purpose, some it doesn't. So it's really an individual choice. With the gums and emulsifiers, they serve a purpose in thickening a product or keeping it suspended. So if we're talking about a salad dressing with oil and vinegar, and you want it to stay, stay in suspension so it doesn't separate on the shelf, you're probably gonna use something like xanthan gum or guar gum to keep that suspension together. Um, 
again, everyone's going to make a different choice. But as you start to get into some of the more complex foods, you're going to see those additives in there. Right. So it's important to be working with someone like you if you are trying to figure all of this out, because it does get complicated. It does. Yes. But the listening to your body is key. Like I know for myself, my preference in terms of sweetener when I bake and obviously, you know, baking um, cakes or muffins or whatever at home is going to be a preferred choice over buying store-bought because you know exactly what's going on it and there is less of the ultra processing but my choice is monk fruit extract and yep. I know that's 300 times sweeter than sugar and so I only have to use a very little bit but it doesn't create an insulin spike and so you know that can be a good choice for diabetics as well but as you say for some people it can cause bloating so you know, with all foods, our bodies all respond differently. And so that's why it's really important for each individual to figure out the right way to eat for their body. And exactly, we can do that with this heightened awareness of how the food we put in our mouth um, makes us feel Mm -hmm. and be healthy for one person may not be healthy for the next person because their body can't, can't process it. Absolutely. Yes. Another point I wanted to share about Mm -hmm. sugars Mm -hmm. um, in labels in Canada is that the new requirement also requires um, that sugar is labeled as a group. So before sugar used to be spread throughout the ingredient declaration based on how much of each ingredient was in there. Now um, in Canada, it's required that the sugar is looked at as a sum. So if a company is adding brown sugar and raw cane sugar and honey into their product, they can't just list brown sugar, flour, um, baking soda, then molasses or whatever the other example I used, honey. They would have to list sugars, brackets, brown sugar, honey, close the bracket and then list the rest of the ingredients based on what percent of sugars are in the formulation. So labels are constructed in descending order. So if you see the first ingredient on the label, that means that's the ingredient that has the most amount in the formulation, followed by all of the the descending ingredients. So the last ingredient on the label is the smallest in, in weight in the formulation. So I love that because it will make it so much easier for the discerning consumer to read that label and understand um, exactly how many different types of sugar are in the product. And when you Mm -hmm. add them all together, I think we're going to see a huge jump in labels that have sugar as the first item in the product, right? Because before they weren't having to be added together and they could be dispersed throughout, you know, if there's 10 ingredients in a product and three of them are sugar, different types of sugar, they're just all dispersed in descending order of how much of each type of sugar is there. And, you know, only someone with your kind your training would be able to look at that and spot all three sugars and, you know, figure out, you know, how much is really in the product. But now with this new requirement, everybody's going to be able to look at it and see sugar and all the different types of sugar. Yes. I'm super happy about this update. I think it's going to be a game changer for consumers. Like you said, because it's, it's listed as sugar and then all of the um, 
corresponding sugars are in brackets beside it. So yeah, it's gonna make it a lot easier and it's gonna be less deceiving because like you said, when the sum of the sugars are together, a lot of our products are gonna have sugar as the first ingredient now, because that's gonna bump it up to the top when we take the total of all of them. Exactly. And with over 50 different names for sugar, different, all these types of sugars, like the list you read out earlier, it was a long list, right? Mm -hmm. That's too much for any one person to retain all of that in their head for every time they go shopping, right? Yeah. So this yeah. is going to be so helpful because you're just looking for the word sugar. And then all the different 50 names after that can be listed for you all yes. in one bracketed section. So super helpful for consumers. Yeah, something else helpful um, for consumers will be that any sort of food dyes have to be labeled as the, the listed name. So before it was listed as a code, which is not helpful when the consumer doesn't know what that code is. So now it'll actually say the common color name. So it'll be, it'll say red or blue or yellow. And that way, if, um, if the consumer is very sensitive to food dyes, a lot of times children are highly sensitive to food dyes and it can affect their behavior and their mood. That's going to be, um, that's going to be super helpful for consumers to, to detect that in their food quite easily now. Very, very helpful. And as you say, children can be so sensitive and yet it's children that we feed cupcakes to with food dye in the icing, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So often for every, you know, birthday party, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so just having greater awareness around that and the ability to read it in the label is going to be so beneficial. So yes. it's, it's awesome that these changes are coming. I, I love that. Um, so, and if you can just repeat again for everyone though, because I think this is really important too, even though the label for sugar is going to be based on hundred grams a day, can you repeat what men and women should be targeting in their day? And then yeah. any fruit on top of that is extra that keeps yeah. them within the hundred, but for what they can actually count, what are they looking for? So on average, it's recommended that men consume no more than 36 grams of sugar a day, which equates to nine teaspoons per day. And women no more than 24 grams of sugar a day or six teaspoons per day. So for a woman, if you think if you drank coffee with um, cream and sugar and you're using two teaspoons of, of sugar in that maybe you have two cups of those a day that's four teaspoons already plus maybe you have um some some cereal or a muffin with honey or you know it doesn't take long for it to add up and so that's where the the 100 gram daily value percentage is almost four times the recommended amount for a woman and three times the amount for a man so that could be problematic if you are looking to, um, to achieve different health, health goals, right? Someone who's diabetic, someone who has um, blood sugar imbalances, someone who um, is dealing with severe inflammation, they're going to really want to be aware that they, sh they maybe shouldn't be judging their sugar intake based on the daily value. Whereas the story might be different for someone who is extremely athletic, they need that extra energy. They might be getting it from unrefined sugar sources like honey or maple syrup, but their body might be able to tolerate it better based on their metabolic state. 
And that's a really good point too, because, you know, again, everybody's metabolic state is different and everyone's tolerance of sugar is different as well. Yes. Yeah. But you know, everything in moderation or going towards those targets versus Mm -hmm. the amount that we're unknowingly getting today is the problem because it's so difficult to read those labels and understand exactly how much sugar is in there. Exactly. Yeah. And then that's not taking into account what you would get from whole foods. So exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I just want to dive back to your story a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. you left off where you were working with a naturopath to help your body get out of this state of depletion. Yes. So I know there's more story there to tell. So I want to give you that chance to share it. Yeah. So I had worked with the naturopathic doctor who had helped me uncover these imbalances and was on a protocol to get more nourishment into my body, more nutrients to support the thyroid, to help kind of cleanse the liver and get things back in check. And from there, I've, yeah, I've kind of just been on a healing journey um, for my own body, which made me so passionate about helping others. So a lot has stemmed back to my gut health and I, I still deal with what you might call histamine intolerance, which I've learned a lot of it is around stress. When my body is stuck in a fight or flight state, um, my skin will tell me I'll get a little bit of a rash or an itch or some inflammation. And so it's not always just about food either. My path has really led me into the energetic side of, of healing and the emotional side as well because emotions can easily become stuck in the body with any sort of trauma that we are aware of or that is subconscious to us. So in my practice, I use muscle testing to help uncover some of these energetic and emotional imbalances and different techniques to kind of reset the nervous system so that we're not not always stuck in a fight or flight state around that. Um, that is so important because in today's world and we have the, you know, high levels of stress and so many people are actually stuck in that fight or flight state, which has so many ramifications on our health from, you know, breaking down the good bacteria in our gut to negatively impacting our sleep to, you know, just creating imbalance in the body Mm -hmm. and dysbiosis in the body. So that's really powerful that, you know, through muscle testing, et cetera, and other techniques to help release some of that stuck emotion or trauma, we can move people out of that state and back into that rest and digest state where they're actually getting the benefit of the food that they're eating because the body can break it down properly. Absolutely. Yeah. And that has totally been my experience. Um, you know, even with all the information and the education I have today, there's still things that I deal with um, on a periodic basis that come up in my body that I have to listen to, right? It really, my symptoms help me check in with what's going on. And it's, it's not always easy to keep that stress under control, right? We're not, we can't control what happens in our life. So to be able to have tools to bring us back into balance is really key. Um, I had a, a family member go through a pretty major health issue 
my mom was uh, diagnosed with breast cancer three years ago. And so that has been, and again, with with the knowledge that my family has and the open-mindedness, I'm so grateful that she's been able to tap into complementary therapies along with conventional therapies and is doing really well right now. But that, that is a state of trauma, right? You go into this severe fight or flight state and my, my body will tell me with symptoms, I'll get a rash on my hands, I'll get puffy eyes, um, and I really have to check in with how I'm dealing with that stress. So very, very true. And I'm really glad to hear that your mom is doing well and was able to tap into both conventional and complementary medicine to mm-hmm. help her heal. But yes, incredibly stressful for her, but also for all of you in the family as you go through that. But I love that you have so much awareness around the way your body talks to you. And that um, these symptoms really are your body asking you to do something different in that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And stress is such a problem in the world today. And I would love for you actually just to share maybe some of your um, key techniques that you use to uh, lower your stress levels, if you don't mind sharing. Yeah. So one of the, the big ones for me is breath work and meditation, being able to really come into that state of tapping into my subconscious and letting things go through breath work. Um, I also use um, emotional freedom technique, tapping. So that's tapping in certain points in the, the body to help pretty much activate the parasympathetic system, which is your rest and digest and decompress the, the sympathetic, which is your fight or flight. So those have been extremely helpful for me, um, just getting outside and being able to have movement in my life, getting fresh air, um, is a, being able to ground myself in that way, having an amazing support system of people to talk to when, when things are overwhelming. Um, and yeah, for sure, um, nutrients have played a huge role in it as well being able to support my adrenal glands and my nervous system, taking extra B vitamins. I'm a huge fan of smoothies, getting as many nutrients into a smoothie as possible. Lots of leafy greens. Good for you. That's awesome. (laughs) Berries, hemp hearts are one of my favorites to add chia seeds. Um, So yeah, it's, it's a multifaceted It definitely, definitely is. So it's funny that you just said those ingredients. This has got four different berries in it and the hemp hearts, chia seeds, some coconut oil, coconut milk, some coconut water, um, and a little bit of my protein shakes in that one for uh, when we're done this call. It's pretty thick. So I didn't want to be drinking it on this call and try to (laughs) chug it down and it goes all down my front or something. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I start every day with a smoothie. Um, because you can pack them so full of nutrients, but also because with the blender pre-digesting them for you, it Mm -hmm. takes the stress off your digestive system, which uses, you know, 30% of your energy at any given time and allows you to have that energy for cognitive function or for, you know, physical exercise in the morning, instead of starting the day off with a big, heavy breakfast and then bogging your energy down with the digestive process. Yeah, absolutely. 
I love all of those things that you um, do for yourself to drop out of your sympathetic nervous system and into your parasympathetic nervous system. Um, and I also love this connection, how we, you know, we start off talking around food, but because we're all interconnected that we, you know, end up talking about stress and its role that it plays here as well. So yes. do you have a regular daily self-care practice as well to help uh, keep your stress levels on a fairly steady level? Because let's face it, we are all going to encounter stress in our lives. We can't avoid it, but we can help ourselves manage it better. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that you asked that. So I would say I'm a recovering perfectionist. I was, I, I was like the definition of a type A person, which with that, when you're trying to always strive for this level of, um, of achievement, that in itself puts a lot of stress on you, right? So I've actually had to drop some of the routines and just tap in, like, what do I need in this moment? Right. And with that, with becoming so much more clear with my intuition, and I find too, like, as a menstruating woman, tapping into your cycle and the four elements of your cycle helps you get so much more in tune with your body that my body will tell me literally, like, you need to go have a bath, like you need to shut down your computer and you need to just go lay in the bath. Like you need to be in a warm space and just without any distraction or noise. And I'll be like, no, I need to finish this. And then literally something will happen where it's like, I kinked my neck or my back sore. And it's like, okay, I need to like, go do this. So sometimes it's random, right? Like there's things where it's like, I, for my mental health, I do not go on my phone in the mornings um, until like I'm out of my bedroom and in my office. That's something that I've been more diligent about. And that's made a huge impact on just my mental health and clarity. I always drink water in the morning. That's something that really works well for my body and my digestion. Um, so there's a few things that yes, like those have just become habits of my lifestyle. But as for a strict routine throughout my day, I can't say I do because I'm an evolving and changing being. So I really honor that my needs change every day. There's certain things that I do, like the hydration, the smoothies, a little bit of stretching throughout the day um, that, that just help me ground myself in what I'm doing. Um, but on on the occasion, it's, it's always changing. Like, so for sometimes I'll give myself a little Reiki session because that's what I need. I'll balance my energy with flower essences. Um, I'll do a walk outside or I'll do a walk on the treadmill. Like it really just depends on the day. So right. what I would, what I would encourage people is find like a couple things that really make you feel well and stick with it. Right. You don't have to make all this change at once. Start with a glass of water in the morning every single day. See if that makes you feel better. See if that gives you some clarity, right? Maybe it's allowing you to get extra hydration and as you're trying to like wean down on coffee. Try adding in one smoothie a day instead of restricting yourself and saying, I have to cut all these things out right away. Let's try just adding in more nutrition before we start cutting things out. 
right? Small steps for people. And once you find the things that you really gravitate towards and love, and you start to feel that in your body, that it's making you feel so much better, and you're, it's maybe making you mentally feel so much clearer, then it becomes a habit. It's not something you want to give up. You don't feel pressured to do it. You do it because it's a, a, an act of self-love, right? So true. I love that. And I 100% agree with everything that you've said from your self-care being different every day based on what your body is telling you that it needs and based uh-huh. on things that you love, right? And self-care yeah. doesn't have to be done you know, in a chunk of time at the same time every single day and the same thing. It does ebb and flow based on what your day looks like and how you're feeling. But it is yeah. finding that thing that you love that brings yeah. you joy. It's not about anybody else. And yeah, these, you know, creating these little habits, like you say, that as you start to notice the improvement in how you feel, it becomes something that you want to do and you keep doing it as a result. And the body does talk to you and let you know that when you you check in. So that's, and I think people there's, there's, um, in society, we're not taught how to tap in and listen to our body. So I think that could be a whole other podcast of its own, right? And like, what does that even mean, right? If someone would have told me this 10 years ago, I'd be like, what do you even mean? Listen to your body? Like, how do you do that? So um, there are some great, there are some great resources out there Mm -hmm. that um, I don't have the list on me. Maybe we can that together for you but or maybe we can do another podcast another podcast yeah I'd love yeah to, yeah have you back right? on that topic because it is definitely <laughs> important and something that I teach as well so it's a great message to get out there and educate people which is the whole point of this podcast is bringing this information to people that we haven't been taught through you mm-hmm. know in society so I would love to do that yeah that definitely. sounds good Definitely. But um, as we wrap up here today, you've left us with so many, you know, awesome tips on, you know, reading labels and understanding what we're eating, as well as, you know, tapping into that self-awareness and food and how it makes us feel, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But I want to ask you the question that I love to ask my guests, which is what does don't wait for your wake up call mean to you? Well, for me, it means being proactive in some sense. So whether it's just making one simple change, um, because we have 365 days in a year, right? If we can make one simple change last, that can have huge impact throughout our whole lifetime. If, um, If this year you just dedicate to drinking a glass of water in the morning or implementing a smoothie, right? And once you get that down pat, just just think where you'll be by the time 10 years goes by. And that's kind of been my journey, right? None of this happened overnight. It's all been evolving. So yeah, try and be um, a little bit proactive and in the sense of education, implementing what your body needs, um, forming those habits that you gravitate towards because it can be alarming when you do get the wake up call. Right. Um, and sometimes, and you know what, in my, in my experience, the wake up call led me down an incredible path. So in a sense, I'm somewhat grateful. I looking back, I wouldn't want to have, wouldn't wanted to have bypassed it, 
necessarily because it led me down this beautiful path to be able being educated and being able to help others. Um, but I think, yeah, if you can have the confidence to start, start looking within, I think that's, that's huge, right. To know if, if what you're doing for your body is working for you or not and honoring, if it's not like, what can I do? Who can I reach out to? Um, what can I learn to help get me onto that path that I want to be on? That's awesome. I love everything that you've said there and um, completely understand, you know, the looking back with gratitude at the wake up hole. And that does happen for many, many people that are in health and wellness. They've mm -hmm. had their own wake up call, which is actually, you know, their healing process has brought them here to help others heal. Right. Yeah. Um, but what I really love is your message of being proactive, choosing that one thing that you can start today, which is fabulous. So um, let us know, how can people connect with you, reach out to you if they're interested in your work and working with you? Please share. Yeah. So if you're on social media, on Instagram, you can go to my handle at live nourished, L-I-V-N-O-U-R-I-S-H-E-D. Uh, you can also find me on my website, www.livenourished.com. I'm on Facebook as well under Live Nourished. Awesome. And just as we wrap up here, any last message to leave with the audience to inspire them to actually get started today? Give yourself grace. You're doing an amazing job and your body is so deserving of your love and nourishment. And if you don't know where to start, um, feel free to reach out to me or Melissa, right? We have resources that we can send you to, um, other podcasts, other websites, other pages on Instagram that, that, that will help you on your journey wherever you're at. So don't ever be afraid to reach out or to ask a question. Um, there's no shame if, if you don't know some of this information. It takes everyone different amounts of time to learn and to get where they're at. So give yourself grace along the journey. I love that. That's beautiful. And it's so true. Everybody's at a different place in their life doing the best that they can. And when I was back in the corporate world, I didn't know any of this because I yes. hadn't had the opportunity to learn it. Yeah. Exactly. Now in bringing it to people in bite-sized pieces that uh, hopefully it does inspire them to step into being proactive in their health. And it's totally okay if you haven't learned it yet, because you yeah. it now. So I love and that. I think too, like your mindset changes as you go on. So just kind of bringing this full circle, right? So I, I went on this crash diet to lose the weight. I was so hyper-focused on the weight. And as I started to learn the power of tapping into my own body, my inner knowing, feeding my soul, um, really tapping into what brings me joy and brings me alignment. Um, the weight, the weight has not been a focus for a long time. And I would say I probably weigh just as much as I did before I did that crash diet, if not, maybe a little bit more, but I feel amazing. Like, right. And so for me, that's, that's my motivator is how can I feel my best mentally, physically, emotionally, energetically, so that I'm in a place to be able to help other people. It's not, it's not about the weight at this point, because, because I know what I can do to make my, my body feel so good. 
That's awesome. And to that point, it's not about a number on a scale either, right? Everyone yeah. has different bone structure, which impacts our body shape and size and media might have us believing that we're all supposed to look one way. Absolutely. But that's not possible. A body in balance, mm-hmm. which your body's in balance because you know how to keep it there. Yeah. Doesn't hold on to excess weight, but we all have different shapes and sizes. So yeah. I love that. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for joining me here today. I know that you will have inspired many listeners to, you know, be better able to read food labels, to have greater understanding around the different types of processed foods, and also just your story in and of itself and being able to heal yourself through food and nourish your body and all the additional work that you do and can um, share with the world that uh, people will be inspired by this. So I really appreciate your time. And thank you to all the listeners for tuning in to another uh, episode of Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. Thank you for investing this time with me on the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. I'm so glad you joined in. If you can take two minutes to share this episode with someone you think can benefit and have a positive impact on their life, that would be wonderful. Please leave a review by going to your favorite podcast listening app and let me know what you enjoy or would like to hear more of. It will support me in my effort to bring the possibility of natural healing to a wider audience and help disrupt the sick care system we have today and make human health a global priority. Health is your true wealth.